Welcome to Fretzelmania, starring your favorite Canadian, the Prime Minister of Wrestle Attic Radio, Mr. Fretz. Welcome, everybody, to the Fretzel Mania podcast on Wrestle Attic Radio, the cure for the common wrestling podcast. I'm Mr. Fretz. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Fretzelmania. That's F-R-E-T-Z-L-E Mania. Today, I will be talking about AEW Full Gear, how I would make Survivor Series better with stakes, my fave five Survivor Series teams and my game changer of the week as I do every week right here on the show and I invite you all to join us on Wrestle Addict Radio listen to all of our shows the delight show with Mance the Kings of the Rings podcast with Willie T the lovely Queen B Kate Murphy and my liege King Ricky Rose as well as the Young Lions perspective with Mr. YLP himself, Zach. And Zach, I hope you're doing well, buddy. This music's just for you. You know, the theme song to your new favorite tag team in NXT, Killian Dane <laughs> and Drake Maverick. Oh, he's going to kill me. Anyways, folks, you're in for a treat today. Uh, uh, sorry, not sorry, Zach. <laughs> Yeah, I'm recording this uh, before AEW Dynamite and NXT air, just because I figured this is just the best time to record, so you won't be getting reviews of that. I didn't watch too much of Monday Night Raw this week, so I won't be delving too deep into that as well. Uh, my mother was visiting, so I was hanging out with her. I went and spent time with my niece and nephew, like we always do when she visits. And if anyone from the fret side of the family is listening to this, hi, and a great big shout out to you all, and I love you. Cousin Johnny, shout out, bro, here. <laughs> so, right away here, we had Saturday night, AEW's second annual full gear. Holy crap, it's the second annual full gear already? It seems like just yesterday that they start their started their new TV deal on, on TSN, well, up here in Canada, or Fight TV, or whatever network it's on in the States, uh, help me out, uh, Russell Addict Radio. But here we are. There's a great full circle moment in this show that kind of goes back to last year's full gear. So, uh, Nate, if you're listening to this, get a shot ready because you're in for one hell of a full circle moment. Now, I didn't watch the buy-in, nor did I watch the opening match until I only watched it tonight just just now uh kenny omega versus hangman adam page but before that we had the nwa women's champ championship on the line with serena deeb yeah miss straight edge herself defending the title against allison k serena deeb won this match via submission with the serenity lock whatever that is the Serenity Lock. Sorry, I can't um, 
speak too well. I broke a filling or broke a tooth inside my mouth. I don't know what exactly went wrong, but I was eating popcorn. I heard crunch, but it also felt like I had a hull, a popcorn kernel way up in there after a bunch of flossing to no avail. So Saturday, uh, midway through my workday, I get to sit in the dentist chair and uh, get drilled. Hooray. <laughs> so I, yeah, as I said, I didn't see those two matches because I was still at work, but I had to see Kenny Omega versus versus Adam Page. So when I got off work today, I just put it on while I was, uh, you know, making a snack, making making a little food, getting even getting a little bit of dinner ready, and that match just totally blew me away. And one cool thing I got out of this was the appearance by one. Um, the the man formerly known as the Jackal in the WWE, Winnipeg's own Don Callis. You know, guy that works for Impact. He does a little bit of New Japan commentary, or he did. I don't know if he still does. I haven't watched uh, much New Japan since... Uh, since Wrestle Kingdom, so uh, Zach, Mr. YLP, you're going to have to help me out here, bro. Hope you're doing okay. So he came in and did a special guest commentary role in this match, and there was something that I didn't really know. It's like, why they call Kenny the cleaner? And it had something to do with him blowing Nintendo cartridges, because, of course, he is a giant gamer. And one of my favorite things about Kenny, I was actually reminded of, was his Undertale entrance. Yeah, Undertale is so freaking good, folks. If you haven't played it, get on that. Uh, I'm at the end of the game, but when I was playing through it, I didn't know that the pacifist run was easier i forget but <laughs> i'll be getting to that uh on my backlog you know it's uh november 11th remembrance day veterans day lest we forget uh but at midnight on the 12th i have a fresh new spider-man miles morales waiting for me on my ps4 yes i said the ps4 i just got it last year so there's no way i am getting a ps5 one year after i got the four when that thing dies i'll get the ps5 heck it'll be ps6 by the time i get around to it anyways here we had kenny the cleaner omega complete with broom girls and you know cleaner girls i used to be a janitor i i could never make <laughs> scrubbing the toilets and mopping the floors look that good but these two friends Page and Omega, former tag team champions, former tag team partners, they came into this and just took lumps out of each other. You know, they were remind we were reminded of their match a couple of years ago. I believe it was in New Japan, where oh yeah, Hangman used the buckshot lariat, but Kenny Omega reversed it into into the knee, into the V trigger. And a similar thing happened in here, but it wasn't quite like they went for the buckshot, but he ducked it and then he went and nailed the V trigger, uh, two V triggers and a 
one winged angel to win to win the match. But throughout the rest of it, I mean, we had that that sick Tiger Driver '98, which I love to nail in Fire Pro Wrestling for for PS4. Awesome game, by the way. Speaking of game, AEW. Uh, I'm going to be talking about that after after this here, just so I stay on track. Yeah, you know me, I get on rabbit trails, I get distracted, it's just the way I am. I promise I will try to work on it. But when Hangman was going down for for the one-winged angel, you could see he was fighting it, he was hitting Kenny, he was trying to get out of it, but then just, bam, one, two, three, and it was over. And I learned something in here, that Don Callis has known Kenny since he was 10, and that Kenny was supposed to go into hockey and maybe be drafted by the NHL and be a goalie. Man, life is strange, right? <laughs> uh, I can only imagine if Kenny Omega was was playing hockey today, maybe he'd be backstopping the Jets. I don't know. Uh, shout out to Was a Cactus That Sneaks on Twitter at uh, WJets420. Uh, I don't know your real name. I, I think it's Ryan. If I'm wrong, let me know. But I'm going to give you a shout out here, bro. Winnipeg. <laughs> so, yeah, a great match here between these two friends. And you can just see hints of the classic cleaner coming out here that we saw in, in New Japan. And I am all for it you know i've been a big kenny omega fan since oh heck since he was in bullet club you know awesome awesome stuff great match here and with kenny's undertale inspired entrance i'm just waiting for hangman adam page just once if he can come out to do something with red dead redemption 2 that'd be awesome because that is uh that's one of the greatest games i've played this year was red dead 2 it was so freaking good Next is the match that I actually thought would open the show, and it was Orange Cassidy versus John Silver, a.k.a. number four in the Dark Order. Now, John Silver is he's a character that's coming out on his own a little bit on, apparently on Being the Elite. I, I don't watch that. I Quite frankly, I don't have the time to watch it right now and with it being what a couple hundred episodes in i'm just i'm just not going to commit i'm i'm gonna do without but silver is also someone who is very funny on twitter I believe he has a he might even have a twitch channel like uh evil uno does as well but anyways here uh, silver was definitely showboating here and jr's comparing him to ivan putsky couldn't be more appropriate because silver He's a short fella. He might not be that much taller than me. I'm about five, five and a half, five six if I'm lucky. And Silver just looks like a brick hit house. He's a tank. And he did like a one-armed gorilla press to Cassidy here, which was just wacky. And you know, Cassidy doing the classic, you know, lazy no-sell boots. I've come, I've come full circle. I've come around on Cassidy big time. He's one of my favorite acts in AEW. Like the man can do a kip up with his hands in his freaking pockets. That is some athleticism right there. That is absolute talent. You know, eventually, you know, he hits the Orange Crush, that Superman punch. He hits the the Beach Break Slam to get the three count here. Not surprised at all that Orange Cassidy got the win. Uh, but then he had the best friends come in for, you know, a classic hug and the camera 
the camera angle going to it that was pretty fun we had cody rhodes versus darby allen for the tnt championship up next and justin roberts finally got to refer to cody as cody rhodes for the first time in aew because wwe just said sod it and let the the trademark expire or they just said okay here you go cody whatever here you go now understand how someone's name i know rhodes isn't his shoot name but he's the son of, of death the road baby so why couldn't you just let that go if you will sorry for that one so darby got off to a great start and rhodes was able to duck out of the ring twice after a whole bunch of antics here by darby and then there were spots in the match where Cody was working the arm of Darby Allen, so that would adversely affect him hitting the coffin drop, which I still attest to being one of the dumbest finishers in AEW. Maybe all of wrestling. Darby might be my favorite. No, he's my second favorite in AEW after MJF. But man, that finisher is just dumb. Like, you're going backwards, and you can't really see where you're going, but it's a sick-looking senton, I'll give it that. And, you know, the, the promos leading up to this is just, it's got Darby and the underdog. It's got his story written all over it. And, you know, there's a few spots in here. I thought Cody was getting heelish. And, oh, I forgot to mention, the avalanche crossroads off the top rope what the heck was that? You know, luckily Darby managed to roll out under the ring because that should have been it. That's not only a match ender, that should be a feud ender. That should be the I'm sorry I love you retirement move. That was wacky. You know, Darby was able to connect with the coffin drop, but Rhodes kicked out at the last possible millisecond. And after they traded a whole bunch of different pinning combinations... Allen got the upper hand on a like an Oklahoma roll or like a sunset flip or something and managed to pin Rhodes to win the match. And Cody came out, he got the belt out, and I'm thinking, is he going to Shinsuke Nakamura him right here and, you know, uppercut him in the junk? But no, he was a good sport about it. He gave the title to Darby. Taz comes out to distract Cody while Brian Cage and Ricky Starks attack both of them from behind. Cage and Starks attempt to shut Allen's arm into the door of a car that Darby arrived in before skateboarding to the ring. But Will Hobbs made an appearance with a steel chair at the last second to save Darby. This builds up a new star in Darby. This also helps Cody help establish new stars which i think is admirable on on his behalf because some people thought including me for a bit he was going to be like a, like the triple h he was going to get the golden shovel ironically from having that shovel on that throne entrance at one of the other past shows so the tnt championship is now on a young star in darby allen and he got he got stark's chasing after him here you got brian cage chasing after him here despite the fact he is the ftw champion that is about as recognizable title as the internet championship and as prestigious too the women's championship 
Hikaru Shida defending against Nyla Rose. Now, you know it's bad when I forgot that Shida was the women's champion. Mind you, I don't watch Dynamite every week in its entirety. I'll catch highlights here and there uh, because I always work late on Wednesday nights. So I'll watch NXT first, and then if I'm still awake or if I'm feeling up to it, I'll watch some of Dynamite. Anyways, uh, AEW's women's division needs some serious, serious work. They have talent there. It's just that I don't think they do a good enough job of showcasing that talent. Yeah, they have Dark, but who the heck watches Dark? Seriously. Like, Britt Baker is there. Britt Baker is waiting in the wings to get that title. I think she could be the next champion. But Sheeta and Rose renewing their rivalry from earlier in the year. Uh, uh, Sheeta having taken the title off of Nyla Rose uh, at All Out, I believe it was. So Sheeta came out of the gate with a the great flurry of offense and Nyla Rose was trying to play the power game and Vicky Guerrero grabs a kendo stick and hit Sheeta right on the knee to give Nyla a upper hand and Nyla Rose is wearing some Mega Man inspired gear here which is just fantastic um Nyla's spouse is a seamstress and man she's hella talented yeah Caleficent Seamstress of Evil at Kel the Celt. K-E-L the C-E-L-T. Yeah. Consort to the Princess King Nyla Rose. Mother of Little Monsters. Yeah. Caleficent, I don't know her shoot name, but you know, she's awesome. An awesome seamstress. Hella talented, and that that gear just looked amazing. Shout out to Nyla and Caleficent, awesome, awesome folks there. So eventually, Guerrero would try to cause Sheeta the match. I think she was kicked out, and then there was a Tamahashi kick, but Rose, no, Sheeta hit the Tamahashi kick on Rose, but couldn't fully get the cover at first, and then hit the second Tamahashi and earned the three count. Uh, this match was all right, but, you know, I think Nyla Rose should have had a dumb, more dominant run with the women's title. She is she is very good. Fairly green, still learning, but with someone like Vicky Guerrero in her corner, you can't go wrong. Oh, speaking of which, uh, they definitely had a little uh, <clears throat> bit of a bit of conflict after after the match there. So we'll see how this goes. Maybe they patch things up on Dynamite tonight. I sure hope so. The AEW Tag Team Championship. FTR. Say yeah. Against the Young Bucks. And if the Young Bucks don't capture the titles here, they never get to challenge again. Now that uh, stipulation sounds a little familiar because Cody Rhodes did the same thing in his match against MJF, or was it the title match with Chris Jericho where MJF was in Cody's corner and cost him? I, I forget what this whole thing... This whole year has just run together in my mind. Oh, oh, my goodness, what a, what a freaking gong show. But the FTR, formerly known as The Revival, arrived with much fanfare despite no crowds or limited crowds... Uh, 
earlier this year and won the tag team championships off of Omega and Page uh, rather quickly. Uh, there was an injured leg of Matt Jackson was definitely the centerpiece of this match, and it was emphasized quite a little bit in the early going of the match. That didn't stop him from going for several drop kicks and super kicks throughout the match. We had uh, a spot here that was reminiscent of FTR versus DIY, where both members of the Young Bucks were locked in dual sharpshooters. However, one of the sharpshooters also took place on the entrance ramp. One took place in the ring. and No, they locked in dual sharpshooters. Gosh, I can't speak tonight. Folks, I am sorry. <laughs> so both the Young Bucks locked both of FTR into sharpshooters, and we had that DIY revival finish from NXT TakeOver Toronto teased, where they were both locked in the submissions, and they were like reaching out for each other's hands, ready to hold each other's hands to, no, let's not tap, no, let's not tap, no, let's tap together, yeah, because we fight together to the end, and... And there's this match was awesome. You had just a bunch of tag team moves. You had classic working the leg, like Brain Busters versus the Rock and Roll Express, the Midnight Express versus the Rock and Roll. Just classic tag team wrestling here. You had a BTE trigger. You had a 450 splash that missed. You had just crazy stuff here. And then finally there was a a spot where Matt Jackson's boot came off and they were going to inflict the maximum damage to the injured leg. And then Wheeler Wheeler tried to hit a 450 splash, but missed, allowing Matt Jackson to connect to the super kick to win the match and the titles. Now, this was one of the best tag team matches I've seen in the company almost all year like the young bucks they still got it the revival have always had it so the young bucks are your new aew tag team champions this is a dream match that has been like five six years in the making trading barbs back and forth on twitter and now finally ending up in the same company would have been awesome with more of a crowd, but, you know, COVID. Ugh, yeah, sucks. But I, I loved this match. This might be my match of the night. Uh, although this next one might... No, it won't contend for match of the night, but it was fun. We had Matt Hardy versus Sammy Guevara in the Elite Deletion match. Back at the Hardy compound with another cinematic match. Vanguard 1 coming in to see Sammy into the, the compound. And it's like, huh, you dumb shit. What are you doing here? So he Sammy arrives in a golf cart. Hardy comes out and tries to crush Sammy in a monster truck. But of course, you know, he gets out from the, the cart before it gets wrecked. Matt Hardy breaks out a scepter. I don't know what the heck Excalibur called it. It's just some nonsensical stuff here. Uh, Satana and Ortiz interfere to make it three-on-one, but Private Party make their way to the compound and involve themselves in the match. And then uh, Hardy does a, uh, a Roman Candle fight. 
<laughs> Bro, I've been there. That is some dangerous but fun shit. <laughs> uh, it's so good. There's a twist of fate. And then this hooded figure appeared holding Hurricane Helms hostage, who had been uh, popping up in this match previously. It's like, what are you doing here? Where have you been? I've been in this lake for two years. It's long-term booking. Uh, okay, this is your man with three H's moment. Very, very, <laughs> very fun stuff. So I think Helms was uh, let go from the WWE earlier this year. So the Hurricane is thrown into the Lake of Reincarnation by Sammy. Not before this hooded figure revealed themselves to be Gangrel. Yeah, that Gangrel from the Brood. <laughs> oh my goodness, that... I was completely not expecting that. And this is a great full circle moment. Take a shot, people. Actually, take a drink. Uh, this is sparkling water, by the way. My beer is in the fridge. Full circle to 21 years ago at No Mercy, where the new brood, the Hardy Boys, wrestled the old brood, Edge and Christian, in that historic tag team ladder match. And not long after it, the Hardy Boys got the managerial services of Terry Runnels, and Gangrel was left in the dust and eventually let go from the WWE. Uh, they wound up in the Dome of Deletion. There was uh, a spot here where Sammy was absolutely just douching it up here by hitting a swanton bomb off of a ladder through a table. Hardy kicks out, hits a twist of fate, and a spear through two tables that were set up on the outside. Hardy and Hardy, you know, uh, ends up bashing Sammy's head against the concrete, which I think was a shout out to their match at All Out, which, my goodness, how are you till still alive? Please, please don't die. And we saw Senior Benjamin help load Sammy into the garbage can and then into the back of his truck. Away he goes. Now this was one of the more interesting deletion matches out of all of them, although nothing can beat the the first one. It was just so darn good. But these cinematic matches, I mean it helps. I mean we're we're in the COVID area right now in the world and there's limited crowds or there's Thunderdomes. So you make up for it by putting on a movie. I mean, we've had the Firefly Funhouse match. We've had the Boneyard match. We had whatever Adam Cole and uh, Velveteen Dream was. This this is good stuff. I'm, I'm all for it. Hurricane Helms uh, coming out as the Hurricane. And then when he got reincarnated by the lake he turned into uh like bruce wayne not bruce wayne gosh clark kent uh reporter and then got turned back into the hurricane when he got sent into the lake of reincarnation again i would have rather had him come out as like three count and then him starting to do everybody three count one two three yeah uh, if you remember that mance i'm sorry you had to subject yourself to that. Uh, oh boy. MJF versus Chris Jericho. And if MJF wins, he joins the inner circle. You know, Jericho trolls MJF 
uh, earlier in this match. And Chris Jericho injured his arm early in this. And MJF worked the arm. Psychology. You know, he even locked in the salt of the earth for, for a bunch of times. He he did the classic Chris Jericho slapping him around when he's when he's groggy. Jericho hit up a nice Frankensteiner from the top rope. He can still hit a lion salt 30 years into the game here. Jake Hager tries to get involved. Chris Jericho tries to get his his bat name Floyd and MJF pulled an Eddie Guerrero and it's been 15 years since Eddie passed away oh man I, I miss him so much and then while the referee was scolding Jericho I believe it was Aubrey uh MJF managed to roll him up and get the pinfall this match had its moments but in ring, it could have been so much better. I don't know if it's if it's just their chemistry was off or they they didn't have it. You know, Chris Chris has been wrestling for thirty years now. I mean, earlier this year he had that thirtieth anniversary thing with Luther, of all people. But yeah, MJF beats Jericho, and tonight. Uh, at this at time of recording in about two hours we'll be finding out if he gets well he is going to join the inner circle but we're going to see how the rest of the team feels about it and in the main event john moxley versus eddie kingston in an i quit match an absolute slugfest we had you know punches and knife edge chops tables thumbtacks barbed wire had it all, man. And there, then just the spot that finished this match was the Bulldog Choke with the barbed wire on on Eddie. And, you know, and, and Eddie quit. Uh, yeah, and at some point in this match, after the thumbtacks, Eddie Kingston got out rubbing alcohol and poured it all over Moxley's back and his wounds. Holy crap, that is gross. And even and even Renee Young was just tweeting during this match like, okay, seriously, guys, what the heck? <laughs> oh, man, this, this was absolute classic, crazy hardcore stuff. This was a CZW match. And it was whack, man. It, it, it was so good. Go back and watch this. You know, as I said, I usually don't give shot for shot reviews and remakes of shows well mostly mostly because this show took place like five nights ago and my memory of it is is fuzzy <laughs> but this is some good stuff this is good shit pal and man paradigm a paradigm shift onto kingston but kingston reverses it suplexes moxley into the thumbtacks yeah and that's when the rubbing alcohol came into effect here man ah uh, after the match here, we had Kenny Omega coming out to uh, congratulate slash confront John Moxley. And this is ironic because it comes one year, full circle moment, take a shot, folks, of Kenny Omega and John Moxley's unsanctioned hardcore match from last year's Full Gear. You know, the the Death Rider, the 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 DDT, the, the Paradigm Shift. Gosh, I'm I'm, I'm drawing a blank here onto the exposed ring. And now 
Kenny is challenging Moxley for that title, probably at Revolution, I'm going to imagine, and it's another full circle moment where Mox will have one full year with the title and Kenny Omega takes it off him. I don't think it'll be before that. Maybe at, if they do like a Bash of the Beach in January special, which I've heard they're doing, but that, that'd be awesome. Yeah, This was one of their better shows of the year. I think this might be AEW's best pay-per-view of the year, although Revolution in, in February was fantastic and i got my shirt i finally got my shirt from revolution because uh uh, my good brother nate game changer podcast he was there and i finally got in the mail about two or three weeks ago thanks bro (laughs) i appreciate that that's what i appreciate about you and that's it for this review section of of aw full gear and now i'm just going to quickly go into the video game announcement that we got last night aew games had a special streaming event on on youtube on tuesday night where they announced that they're working on an aew video game this is something that's been rumored for quite a while now we got confirmation of it last night we got a brief trailer i can tell definitely they took inspiration from from no mercy from virtual pro wrestling from wcw revenge a little bit of fire pro in there and a lot of people were like, why do these wrestlers look all chunky and chonky? Well, I mean, come on. Look at what was the last WWE game that came out this year? Battlegrounds? Yeah, it looks inspired by Battlegrounds, but the control system, I think, is going to be very No Mercy-esque. They have Ukes working on this match, and Kenny actually hired the director of no mercy whose whose name is escaping me right now but no mercy like the best wrestling video game ever made uh 20 years ago almost to the day as i as i record this it's going to be heavily heavily featured on this month's 20 bell salute which you can hear exclusively on the wrestle attic radio patreon page where you get shows such as the 20 bell salute the secret files with mr ylp and i believe that uh, king ricky is going to be uh dusting off his throne and uh, bringing back a little bit of watch the throne and 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 whatever else that we have in store for you on patreon patreons also get 15 percent off of our merchandise on our teespring store teespring.com slash wrestle hyphen addict hyphen radio or just go on teespring and google wrestle addict radio you get the fretzelmania collection you get kings of the rings collection which also includes individual designs for the queen bee kate murphy king ricky rose and willie t you get ylp with zach you get his collection you get the delight show with good brother mance and i believe that our pride merch might still be on there earlier this year we raised some money for the trevor project which goes to uh youth who are lgbtq and who you know struggle right so the trevor project helps them out i believe our pride merch was still on there it might be gone by now i'm not entirely sure i didn't i didn't check before recording this i apologize so yeah those plugs there 
Russell Attic Radio Patreon. Not only do you get all of that, the exclusive shows I just mentioned, 15% off, you get a code that you get to use when you buy some of our fresh merch. Which, by the way, if you choose to buy a Fretzelmania shirt, please hit me up on the Twitter and we could potentially use that for our Fashion Friday uh, tweets. You also get a first-hand look at our Articles of War at writteninwar.wordpress.com where we have fan fictions and reviews written by various people <laughs> who are new to Russellatic Radio, including Dirk Justice. So if you're looking for a hoodie, you know, winter's coming, you're going to need that nice comfy hoodie to wear inside or outside if you're if you're out in the inclement weather. You want a t-shirt to lounge around in, you need, a, need some tapestries. For some reason, you want a Fretzelmania pillow or a blanket, I mean, to each their own. If you want to use that on your bed, hey, that's cool. But still, tweet pictures. I'd love to see them. And, you know, Unfortunately, we are living in Corona times, which means we have to wear those damn masks. And no, I am not an anti-masker. I hate them with every fiber of my being, but we're protecting ourselves, protecting our loved ones. So we might as well look fine and fresh doing it. And also the masks go towards a great cause. You know, $1 for every mask sale from our Teespring store, which features everyone on WrestleLatic Radio and Neck Gators, by the way, too, if you're up for them. $1 for every purchase goes to feed hung hungry kids. Now, I'm not a father. I am an uncle. And I know where my niece and nephew's meals come from because I work for my brother. So, unfortunately... There are some families out there that don't know where their next meal is coming from. And that mask money will go towards towards that. Uh, I think it deals with things like after-school programs or school lunches and school breakfast programs. It, it helps a hungry child out. It helps out someone in need. So, consider getting a mask and, and helping those those fine folk out. And that is it for this half of the Fretzelmania podcast. When I come back, I'll be talking about how I would make Survivor Series better with stakes and go over my fave five Survivor Series team teams. <laughs> Welcome back to the Fretzelmania podcast right here on Russell Attic Radio. I am Mr. Fretz. We are two weeks away from Survivor Series 2020 where we have brand warfare. We have Raw versus SmackDown, Champions versus Champions, and I couldn't be any more bored of it. 
Now, brand warfare has been kind of a thing in Survivor Series for a long time now. I mean, in a way, it started at the end of the Alliance angle in 2001, which was 19 years ago. Now I feel old as heck for saying that the Invasion angle was 19 years ago. WCW hasn't been a thing in almost 20 years. My, my goodness, time, time's a bitch, my goodness. So I'm going to talk about here a little bit of fantasy booking of how I would make Survivor Series better. Now, NXT does not need to be involved in here. As much as it pains me to admit, it, it, it would just get lost in the shuffle, at least in my mind it would, because NXT can have... Their TakeOver special can have their WAR GAMES on the day before Survivor Series. And, 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 and that's the thing. Raw and SmackDown is the, is the brand rivalry that kind of needs to be brought back. I mean, right now we're in the COVID area. We're in the Thunderdome where they're basically in a bubble. They're all around the, the same area. So there's not really much of a brand warfare going on right now. So hypothetically, COVID-19 is not a thing in the world. And I just got the biggest Austin pop of all time for saying that. Because this year with COVID has been an absolute hellscape, a gong show. So let's pretend that in this alternate universe of Survivor Series... 2.0 that COVID does not exist. Survivor Series is usually a spot in the calendar year where plans for WrestleMania are thought about or at least conceived or maybe even started or birthed, <laughs> if you will. So one thing that I would like to bring in here is the intensity back to the brand rivalry between Raw and SmackDown and put actual stakes on the line. We're going to get stakes that, you know, ramifications are felt all the way up to WrestleMania. Now, at that aforementioned Alliance Survivor Series, Team Alliance, Team WCW and ECW versus Team WWE, they had a point system, kind of. Like the Alliance had other matches on on the pay per view. Like they were unifying the U.S. and Intercontinental title. They were unifying the tag team titles, and they had other random feuds. Like it was like William Regal and Tajiri, or the Immunity Battle Royal, where the winner of this gets immunity for a year and doesn't get to get fired which would totally give away the finish of the main event and it did so with this survivor series bit i would have no champions versus champions matches i would love to bring back at least once maybe an all elimination match pay-per-view including the one where you have like all the tag teams around ringside like it was like the heart foundation and the young stallions and demolition the british bulldogs the killer bees like that whole thing although wwe doesn't have too much of a tag team division let's pretend they do and the revival still works for them oh my goodness that made myself 
I made myself sad here. So anyways, Survivor Series needs stakes. And here are the stakes I would put on the line. They have to do with the Royal Rumble. Now, Raw and SmackDown, they have their elimination matches. And they get points for, you know, winning w winning the matches. And every survivor, every sole survivor for the winning brand at the end of the night, they get thrown into a match on the next pay-per-view. Let's just say it's it's TLC. You know, the, the, the pay-per-views here, they're going to be dual branded. Now, every survivor of the winning Survivor Series matches get thrown into a match, whether it's going to be, you know, a four-way, a five-way, or whatever. If it's more than that, I would add in like a little mini tournament. And the winner of that gets to be number 30 in the Royal Rumble. Not only that, but the winning brand at Survivor Series with the most wins at the end of the night gets to main event WrestleMania with whichever brand championship they want to put on the line. If we want to have another main event women's title match at WrestleMania, we can. That or the universal title. That way, the brand, the winning brand, guarantees the top spot in the granddaddy of them all. The women, they will also have Survivor Series matches here. I would try to put more than one on, on this one. Maybe I would actually throw in a couple of women from NXT and NXT UK just to fill out the roster spots. And hey... Maybe they get to do something for their brand too. But anyways, maybe just keep it raw on SmackDown. I'm sorry, I just flip-flopped around here. And the women. And they have the same deal. Where their sole survivors get thrown into a match where they get number 30. And the tag team ones here. The, the, the tag team elimination match. The winner. Like the winning brand or the winners here be it let's just say it's the new day and the street profits although they're on different brands let's pretend they're not they both win and then they have to have a match to be the number one contenders for the tag team titles at the royal rumble but where does that leave the losing brand well the losing brand they will guarantee to get number one in the royal rumble and also guaranteed to not be in the top spot in that lucrative, coveted main event spot of WrestleMania. Every losing participant in the entire brand that's represented at Survivor Series will be thrown into a draw. And the random draw will be number one in the Rumble. However, that is not revealed until the Rumble match itself to give us a little bit of intrigue. That way, the the losing brand here has a bigger hill to climb. Unfortunately, this all means we might have to see authority figures back in the WWE. No, I don't mean the McMahons because, you know, we're going to give the fans what they want. No, no, you're not. You're, you're, you're not. So, someone like... 
although I can't stand him, JBL on SmackDown, and for Raw, what about a general manager in someone who's been behind the commentary desk for some time now? Samoa Joe. He's got kind of that Godfather-esque um, aura about him. I, I'm, I'm thinking I'm thinking about him in the main event mafia right now. So you bring that into his role as the general manager. That would add some pretty cool intrigue to this. But what if a Raw star wins the Royal Rumble? Well, they still don't get to main event WrestleMania. They get to wrestle for the title, but they don't get that spot. Because I think the brand warfare on Raw and SmackDown, I mean, it's missing fans. I mean, I think one of the reasons why we see a lack of effort in, in, some, in some cases on TV is there's no live fans. We're sitting behind our computer screen. I've been in the Thunderdome about two or three times now, and it's okay I mean, it's a, it's a fun way to watch Raw. I had never seen myself in the crowd. I always hear, make yourself look animated, cheer this person, boo this person. Although, ironically, one week I was asked to boo the Hurt Business, and I cheered them. And then a few weeks later, all of a sudden they're baby faces because they're going up against Retribution. And it's, it was the opposite. Cheer them! I'm like, hey everyone, boo Elias! No! Elias is one of my favorites. If you go in my Fave 5 archives, you'll hear that. So, Survivor Series stakes lead to the main event of WrestleMania and the Royal Rumble. Let me know what you think about that. Is that a little bit too convoluted? How would you make Survivor Series a little bit more interesting? Because I think the brand warfare is missing just a little bit something. If they want to really spice things up, why don't the Champions versus Champions matches at Survivor Series unify the titles? That is how you spice something up hardcore. And now on to your new favorite segment, Fretz's Fave 5. Welcome now to your favorite new segment on Wrestle Attic Radio, Fretz's Fave 5, where I break down my top five insert topic here or moments of the week, depending on the circumstances and the week we have here. So being that it is November, it is Survivor Series Month here on The Fave 5, and I'm going to be breaking down my Fave 5 Survivor Series teams. Now, next week, you're going to get a reverse Fave 5. You're going to get my worst five tag teams. But for some reason or another, these five teams are my favorites, whether they had memorable matches, whether it's just an interesting dynamic of wrestlers, or they had one of the of the greatest matches in the history of the event. That's also going to be a Fave 5 later this year is Survivor Series elimination matches so right away here number five is the foreign fanatics from survivor series 1993 now 
Why are they my favorites? Well, here's the thing. This consisted of Yokozuna, Crush, Quebecer Jacques, aka the Mountie, and Ludwig Borga. Two Americans, a Canadian, and Finnish guy. Um... <laughs> yeah, Canada's not foreign, folks. I'm up here in Canada, and I don't call the United States foreign. So, <laughs> I just like it just because of what we had here. I know this was the feud where Yokozuna, Rodney Anoa'i, the legendary head of the table Anoa'i family, <laughs> was billed as this Japanese sympathizer, this sumo wrestler. Crush, um, last time I checked, Hawaii is a state, hence he's not <laughs> foreign. Although he might have been teaming with Yokozuna at this point in time and being a a Japanese sympathizer. Uh, Ludwig Borgas was from Finland, so that checks out. But the Mountie is from Quebec. He's from Montreal. So, <laughs> so this was just funny. But they were going up against the, the All-Americans. Originally, uh, this was going to include... Uh, Quebecer uh, Pierre, a.k.a. Jean-Pierre Lafayette, a.k.a. PCO, you know, that not-human guy that used to be the Ring of Honor champion. We are going up against the, the All-Americans, you know, Lex Luger, Tatanka, and the Steiner brothers, although PCO and Tatanka would respectively have kayfabe injuries keeping them out of this match they were replaced by Ludwig Borga who had recently broken the almost two-year undefeated streak of Tatanka and joining Team USA the All-Americans the American badass seven years before he'd become said badass the Undertaker and this was a I mean, this match was fun. I mean, uh, Lex Luger stood tall at the end of this one. And we had Santa Claus coming out. But this was an eclectic bunch. And that's what my first two picks are, is just because of who is in this match and why it stands out, who it stands out. And the fact that they called these people the foreign fanatics, two Americans, a Finnish guy, and a Canadian is just, it's ass backwards, but it's funny. And I'm a big, big fan of the Mountie. Uh, had COVID not been a thing, I could have met him at Niagara Falls Comic Con this year, and I am so pissed. Speaking of the Mountie... I'm the Mountie, I'm handsome, I'm brave, I'm strong. I'm the Mountie, and I enforce the law. You can try to run, but you can never hide. The Mountie always gets his man. And I'm sorry for everyone who had just unsubscribed to WrestleMania Radio as a result of this. 
Ah, but I love the Mountie so much. He's featured in this next match, this next team, where you had the Mountie, the Warlord, Ted DiBiase, and the Real World's Champion, the Nature Boy, Rick Flair. Speaking of an eclectic bunch of people, is this. You know, they went up against Bret Hart, the British Bulldog, Roddy Piper, and Virgil. In a match that went almost 23 minutes. And you want to know the funniest part of this? Okay. Bulldog was eliminated by Flair. The Warlord... Oh, that's it. No. The only elimination in this match was the British Bulldog being pinned by Rick Flair. And then the Warlord, Ted DiBiase, the Mountie, Roddy Piper, Virgil, and I believe Roddy Piper. I think Roddy Piper beat the Warlord. And then DiBiase, the Mountie, Roddy Piper, Bret Hart, and Virgil were all disqualified, and the sole survivor was Rick Flair. <laughs> this match was hilarious. The crowd in Texas were pissed at this. And Ric Flair was coming out here as the quote-unquote real, real world's champion, having just left WCW over the, the Jim Hurd Spartacus uh, incident. But here's the thing. Ric Flair came to the ring with this world title that was being blurred out by the WWE. But it was just a replica tag team title, which, which that made even more hilarious uh i loved it you know survivor series 91 is something that it, it's it's an example of what could have been because the the main event here was the big boss man and the lod going up against irs and the natural disasters however sid justice and jake the snake were supposed to join their respective tag teams but an injury from Sid kept him out of it. Uh, Jake was kayfabe suspended for the Cobra incident with Macho Man Randy Savage. Fans were petitioning for Savage to have a spot in this match. But you see, at WrestleMania 7 earlier that year, he was kayfabe retired by the Ultimate Warrior in what wound up being, in my opinion, Warrior's best match against Randy Savage, WrestleMania 7, uh, you know, where we saw the reunion of Randy and Elizabeth renewing their their love and at SummerSlam having the, the match made in heaven before the match made in hell with, you know, the, the Hogan and Warrior tag team match against the, was it the Cobra Triangle, the... Colonel, it was Iron Sheik, General Adnan, and Sergeant Slaughter. <laughs> so, yeah, that was that was fun. Uh, it it could have been something, but you know what? Survivor Series '91, despite all the injuries and suspensions, parentheses and whatnot, it was still a darn fun uh, pay per view. Next up here took place a year previous at Survivor Series. 1990 and this is a team that comprised of all warriors carry von eric the modern day warrior 
The Legion of Doom, Road Warrior Hawk, and Road Warrior Animal, and you guessed it, the Ultimate Warrior. And ironically and appropriately, they all called themselves the Warriors because, you know, because why not? You know, they went up against the perfect team, Axe, Crush, Mr. Perfect, and Smash. You know, Demolition having just had their third their third member. And they had... Uh, the, the only sole survivor out here was the Ultimate Warrior because they had the... This is the year that they had the, you know, the big survivor finale with every survivor going up against every other remaining said survivor. So, you know, Hulk Hogan, the Ultimate Warrior, and Tito Santana defeated Hercules, Paul Roma, Rick Martel, Ted DiBiase, and the Warlord. This was also the same year that The Undertaker debuted, thankfully not out of that giant egg. But yes, I just loved it for the sole fact that they were all known as warriors. Number two is just a, a favorite because this was a the beginning of something special in, in a way. And it took place at 2003 Survivor Series. No, I'm sorry. <clears throat> 2006. I just spoiled number one. <laughs> I'm an idiot. This is not surprising to to some of you. So we had Team DX, which was Matt and Jeff Hardy, Shawn Michaels, and Triple H, and CM Punk going up against Team Rated RKO, Edge, Johnny Nitro, Mike Knox, Gregory Helms, and Randy Orton. Now, CM Punk had recently debuted for the WWE, and... The, the faithful here in Philly were chanting for CM Punk and DX gave him his moment and they had a, a spot here. It's like, hey, you know what? CM Punk's got a question for you. Philly, are you ready? And that kind of gave Punk a little bit of a boost and sent him up the the crowd, up, or the, up the echelon, if you will. Uh, two years from... At this point in time, he would have been a former ECW champion and a former world heavyweight champion. But we had five legends, like Triple H, uh, Shawn Michaels, the Hardys, Punk. All of these wrestlers, wrestlers in my mind, at some point will be in the WWE Hall of Fame. Punk is a huge maybe. It would take a lot of convincing. It would take a lot of bridges being mended. But... If you can mend things with Bret Hart, with freaking Bruno Sammartino, then you can easily mend things with Punk. I think it's going to happen. Maybe in the next 10, 10 years. I'm going to call it now. So 2003, since I just spoiled it, my favorite, favorite, favorite Survivor Series team is Team Austin. So we had... Team Bischoff, which was Chris Jericho, Christian, Mark Henry, Randy Orton, and Scott Steiner, going up against Team Austin. And if Team Austin loses, which he did, he would be ousted from power on Monday Night Raw and no longer be the co-GM, but the sole 
managership of Raw would go to Eric Bischoff. But Team Austin had Booker T, the Dudleys, RVD, and once again, Shawn Michaels. This is going to be on my fave five Survivor Series matches list, so I won't delve too deep into this. Nate and I reviewed this in uh, the Game Changer archives here on, on the network. Go back and listen to that. Uh, and just listen to what we had to say about that match. It was absolutely awesome. Like 30 minutes of, of action here. But this is my favorite Survivor Series team for the star power that we had. We had HBK, who was on his comeback tour, just having just won the World Heavyweight title the year previous. Booker T was on his, on his way up the card, I know he had a loss at WrestleMania earlier in the year against Triple H, which arguably he should have won. The Dudley boys have already been established stars being, what, 10-time tag team champions at this point. And Rob Van Dam, who was on the cusp of the main event. You know, just a couple of years after this, he would have his WrestleMania money in the bank win. Just the bunch we had here with Steve Austin just having just retired from in-ring competition as the team captain, if you will, the, the head of this team. What a great, talented bunch of folks there. And now my final segment as I start to wrap up this show here this week Again, apologies for all the rabbit trails, folks. I'm working on it. I'm going to get there. This is only Fretzelmania 2. So there'll be a lot more to go before practice makes permanent, as one of my old uh, co-op bosses used to say at uh, Grandview Baptist Church in Kitchener, Ontario, Canada. <clears throat> so my Game Changer of the Week. Now, you all know the Game Changer of the Week goes to someone in wrestling or wrestling podcasting and just showcases them in a positive light. And I could think of no one else than Ross Twiddle and Tom Campbell from Cultaholic. Now, if you're a big fan of the Cultaholic podcasts and YouTube videos like I am, then you'd know that recently Ross had, he had to take a break, which he detailed in a video that was moderated by Tom Campbell, my, my favorite personality on that network, by the way, wrestling with mental health. And they spent uh, almost an hour just talking about the battles of, of a man with mental health. You know, Ross uh, is kind of like me. You know, he's a, he's a bigger lad. He, he comes from a background of, oh, you just, uh, you, you just bear that deep within. Just, you know, the, the stout, he's like, you know, a stout British, oh, let's just put it underneath us and not worry about it. And I relate to that in a way, you know, because I come from, you know, just, a background where it's like, hey, I'll worry about it later. It's it's going to be okay. And, you know, Ross, he put it all out there. And mental health is something that, you know, I think a lot of us could talk about more. We, we should be more open with it because it's something that we should be normalizing. And it's courageous of, of Tom and of, of Ross and Tom here just to put that all out in the open and the feedback that they have gotten from this has been just amazing where so many people relate to this it's like yeah I'm, I'm with you there too Ross I I had this and that and 
I'd be lying if I said I haven't had, you know, my share of dark thoughts. I've never been diagnosed with anything because I just, I never went and got it checked out. Because I've never got to a really, really bad place. I've always had feelings of, of inadequacy, of low self-esteem, of, well, yeah, as I said, inadequacy, low self-esteem, especially in my dating life. I've had horrible, horrible luck with women and I have made peace with being single for the rest of my life. If someone comes and literally sweeps me off my feet, then, you know, that's awesome. That's, that's a blessing from God in my opinion, <laughs> but yeah, it's folks, and and I'll just I'll just say this: if y'all have problems, I I can listen to you. I mean, I don't know what else to say in situations like that, other than you know, I love you, positive vibes. I'll think of you. I'll pray for you. That kind of thing. But again, you know, I'm I'm a listener. I can listen. You know, my DMs are open at Fretzelmania. So, folks, yeah, that uh, wrestling with mental health chat with Ross and Tom. Ross and Tom get my game changers of the week because, you know, mental health, especially in a year like this, like this year has been rough on so many people with, you know, whether you're a frontline worker, whether, hey, whether you're working in a grocery store like I am, whether you're having to work at home or go to school at home or you have, or you have kids and you're worried about them in school and everything is just, you know, it sucks. So hopefully in a way, you know, whether wrestling, whether wrestling podcasts or video games, you have a distraction, you have a coping mechanism and you have people that you can talk to. And <laughs> this is my long way of saying I can be that for you guys, for you folks. So that has been it for this edition of Fretzelmania 2 Electric Boogaloo on Wrestle Addict Radio. Follow me at Fretzelmania, F-R-E-T-Z-L-E Mania on Instagram and on Twitter. And uh, yeah, join the rest of us on the network here, right here on Wrestle Addict Radio, the cure for the common wrestling podcast. Goodbye and good night. Bang. I love you as all.